Yeah. We're all good. We need some C4s for this. Shit, huh? yeah. We need some fucking C4s. Bro. This is my sponsor. Division then. Nope, because it's done. I want to give a big shout out to C4 Energy for sponsoring the podcast. They didn't pay us, but we love your drinks, so you fucking should sponsor us, you know? Let's try that again. I'm second that. C4, we love you so much. We would love to feature you guys on the Division 10 podcast. Yeah. Send us over, and we got it. Just free product. That's all we want. We don't even need Let's money. Go, baby. Dude, if I could drink those instead of water, I would. Right? It's so tasty. The cherry one? Oh, no, it's gas. But I'll, I'll be honest, Ghost kind of shits on it, though. Nah, that's cat. They got the Swedish fish. <laughs> nah, they got the, the Swedish fish is good. I, but the problem is with Ghost, yo, it makes my head bang if I have too many. That's the problem. Are, are we are, are we recording? <laughs> no, okay, we're rolling. All right, let's go, baby. All right, y'all, we're going to do a quick intro. Uh, episode 60, we should have had confetti for this shit or like tequila or something. We fucked up. Oh, he has some? We don't drink here. Yes, we do. We're fucking alcoholics. Uh, yo, welcome back to Division Zen episode 60. Uh, really crazy that we're still doing this, you know, almost 60 episodes in, brother. It's pretty pretty it's wild. I love it. Yeah. I love but, uh, it. I love it. No, we got a special guest today. Uh, actually, was one of the previous guests on this show, except we did it on a bed. At <laughs> <In Las laughs> the very beginning. Yeah, the OG days. Um, man. Great friend of mine, have the honor of, you know, being this dude's homie. And not only that, you know, watching his progression of the last couple of years uh, has been amazing. So, yeah, man, Ash Miner's in the building. What's up, bro? Thanks for having me, guys. All the way from London. Australia. Do people confuse you from being from the UK? Dude, all the time. But yeah, the thing is, I was actually born in the UK. So, they're right. And so I was there till I was 13 and then I moved to Australia in my teens. So I'd say more Australia, more shaped who I am, but I've gone back and forth to the UK um, at least every two years since. I've lived there twice since moving to Australia. Yeah. Um, so the accent kind of dips in, dips out. Half my family's still there. So Sheesh. Yeah, so it is a bit of a hybrid. Wait, Were they... so do you have dual citizenship? I do, I do, really? yeah. So I've got a, I've got Australian, I've got a British, and my mum's Irish, so I've got an Irish passport too. What? I'm rocking wow. three of those passports. Yeah, world traveler. Yeah. yeah. Nah, the Irish awesome. one's expired, though. I've got to get that shit sorted, that's especially awesome. now that Brexit's happening. I have a question, though. Like, why were people so sad when the Queen died? Like, is she is she really, like, a massive deal? I, I mean... She was a big deal. She, dude, she... Yeah, man. She I was mean, the longest, like, uh, yeah, but, like, what's like the monarch like, what, or whatever. What, what's like, her contribution? She was the queen for the... She, she was the queen for, like, till she, like... What is, 60 years what does that mean though like, what is yeah i don't know i think like, it's, what do they do it's a divisive opinion about the the royal family i mean yeah i've got i'm not for or against the royal family doesn't bother me do i think it's a bit dated the whole idea of it probably but i think she was a, a pivotal figure that's been around in most people who are living in in the uk the majority of their lives because i mean what she was made the queen in her 20s yeah oh, and she really? died in her 90s, 90s yeah Long so life. anyone who's 70 years old or younger pretty much that's yeah, yeah. her part they, of they love the her life, man you know? they love her yeah yeah it's a big deal when she died remember when princess diana died no yeah but she was for the people yeah i think she was was, the, was the queen not for the people was she like against i mean i don't know man there's a lot of controversy i mean i've never really indulged in the in the monarch too much but yeah. i from my understanding Princess Diana was really for the people. Yeah, and but she married of... into the family. She wasn't royal. Right. She yeah. wasn't OG. Yeah, she was, yeah, like... she was not. Yeah, I, but I think there's some controversy around what 
the whole situation as well. Yeah. But yeah. that's probably... They should make a movie about that. They have made tons of movies about that, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so, okay. So, people do mistake you from the UK. but you So, you were born in the UK and then you uh, moved to Australia. Moved to Australia oh. um, in my teens, which yeah. was different. Like, I mean, coming from the UK, the north of the UK in particular... Um, yeah, people talk about London. People, when people snapshot the UK, they think about London, right? They think about Big Ben, London Eye, yeah. all this stuff, street culture, whatever. There's a whole flip side to that coin, and that's that's the north of the UK, and even culturally, it's so different. So I grew up about 40 minutes from um, Manchester, a town called Darwin, mm. um, which was a, was it named after like the Darwin? Like, no, I don't think so. Um, it it was a cotton it was a cotton town. Oh, okay. It was a cotton town. So um, there was this place called India Mill, which is a massive exporter of cotton. So it was a really thriving place in, I don't know, maybe the 50s. I don't, I don't know when it was booming. Um, but once they closed down the cotton mills, it's like one of those places that has a really aging population. So the town just gets older and older and older. The kids move out, go places to go to university, all this kind of stuff. And then it's just like, you go there, it's just, there's not much happening. Every single time I go there, it's like the average age has increased by like five years. Holy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so old people. Just older. And wow. most people are trying to, you know, like, I don't know, progress, move out. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, I mean, it was, a, yeah, it, was a bit, it was a bit rough and ready. I mean, especially with my heritage and stuff, it was very racist. Um, so moving to Australia, uh, which was very different. Like, I mean, we're going from it being this dingy, kind of shitty little town. No offense to anyone who's still there. Is it the hood out there? Like, is it, um, is it like it's, it's, you know what? It's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, when you're, when you're growing up, it's just all you know, right? Was it rough? Like, yeah, for sure. Like when we were young, I, I always remember uh, we, woke, we woke up one morning, there were swastikas sprayed all over our oh, fence. Wow. Our shit got kicked in. There used to be a lot of skinheads and white supremacists that were there in our part of town. We were the only kind of like ethnics that were there. Um, so there was a, we, we faced a bit of hate crime when we were growing up. But I mean, when you're a kid, it's just like... Is what it is, right? Right. What are you, like, ethnicity-wise? Yeah, so my, my father's from Pakistan, and my mom's Irish. Okay. Um, so, yeah, kind of fell in between, which... Yeah. In Australia, you see, I was very ethnically ambiguous because Definitely, there's a lot of yeah. uh, Lebanese, a lot of Greeks, a lot of Italians. Um, yeah. And then you've also got a lot of Pakistanis and Indians and stuff. In the UK, it's kind of like, okay, if you're, if you're a brown, you know, they, you know, racially, they say, oh, you're a Paki. Which is like the mm. race is such a racist term racist, for Pakistan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's as racist as it goes. Like right. shit used to boil my blood when I was younger. Um, so you're just automatically a packy. You kind of pig, pigeonholed it into this category. It's different in London. It's a lot more multicultural. It's a lot more um, open, diverse in so many ways. Yeah. Um, whereas up north, it, back in the '90s, there was like a there was a lot of problems, social problems. This thing called Paki bashing was going on. What is that? It was like skinheads would like just beat the shit out of Indians and Pakistanis and this like Jesus hold Christ. them at gunpoint, a lot of hate crime. Just a lot of hate crime, man. Um, so That's yeah. why we keep that woo up. <laughs> the glizzy. Yeah, that yeah. Glizzy. So, I mean, but thankfully now it's not like that anymore. But the, race, the racism shifts though, man. Like, right. It's bad. Like now, you know, Indians and Pakistanis are very um, ingrained into Northern culture. And now there's a lot of racism towards like the Polish and people from Eastern Europe who are coming over as well. And it, you know, so the, the racism never goes away. It just shifts hands, you know, yeah. which is bad. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Did you guys time. see that the, uh, 
I think it was the prime minister of Britain is Indian. It's an Indian guy. Which I is, heard something. Which is crazy because the Britain used to. prime minister in like two months. Well, yeah, he's probably going to be out of here pretty soon. But no, nah, he it's crazy because Britain like controlled India at one point. So like to see that, you know, like that to me was was crazy. Well, I mean, the the, uh, ma the mayor of London is, is Pakistani as well. Really? Yeah. So We're it's like, over. you know, there there is definitely a shift in the UK. Yeah. And the UK is very now very con culturally sensitive and politically yeah. correct in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, you. You, the, you go to the to the pockets of anywhere it's like la is super liberal and then you go out two hours into the desert and there's probably some little town where you know people are there is what is that town where there's like no salt laws? And sea. uh yeah. the yeah salt and sea it's 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 near a it's almost like on the way down to san diego it's like the lawless town salt yeah. and sea used to be um it used to be like a really uh salty lake that kind of dried up and it's just a bunch of fucking uh like like lawless people just a bunch of people that don't live on the outskirts yeah. fringes of society like in trailers and shit or in houses it's like they, trailer houses they they build their own little, little setup but yeah. um it's actually not lawless actually the laws still apply there but people don't actually follow any laws but like they have their own governing laws like if you go and hurt someone obviously it's that's yeah, not cool stuff. or something yeah but. oh man there's places like that in australia i was i was literally yeah. there before i flew there's a place called nimbin which is which for before weed was decriminalized it was the only place in australia which you could actually get medicinal weed and stuff mm. like that and they have their own town hall and they make their own rules and all this kind of wild yeah stuff. it's kind of like that yeah they make their own so rules yeah police just don't intervene you're like damn okay. <laughs> what's going right. on yeah that's one thing i've learned about kind of both of you guys like being friends with y'all is like you guys are both very like outdoorsy like you i feel like you both would do really well we were talking about that, that we were just talking about that like when we were in the hills it's just like yo the mountains is like a spiritual place for me it's like right. where i can be go pure and like that's where like when we were getting too faded up in the hill it's just like well we didn't get to enjoy this the peaceful the mountain actual, yeah to like, me the mountains is so spiritual yeah. bro yeah like, it was cool there's like, no way where i get as much clarity is up in the mountains, dude. It's I, so that's how true. I feel too. That's yeah, how I feel man. Too. American landscape is beautiful. That's why I got all butt hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't blame you, man. I mean, to be fair, like, are we talking about the AirPods right now? No, 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 no. no. I, I, about the no I'm talking. Yeah, okay, I'm talking. Right. I, I wanted to go ride and like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't really get that, and I was, and I got sad. For those of you guys listening, we went to Big Bear this last weekend, and we had a great time. We just we didn't get there till late, and uh, we'll go back. We'll, we'll have go a better back session. for sure. Go back. Go back. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing I really try to do whenever I get to America is um, is try to get out there because you know in Australia we've got beautiful landscape, but around the country it's all quite um, similar. One thing I love about here is the diversity of the landscape in America. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, like how you can be, you can go down like south in your desert. Or you know, east and you're in the desert, then you go to Big Bear and you're in the mountains, then you go north and you're in the forest, and it's yeah. just like, dude, it's it's like for to be able to have that at your fingertips. You like camping, dude? I like anything outdoors. <laughs> me, me, and you. We gotta go. Okay, let's go after this, this guy. This guy, he's like glamping, like, Bro. oh, we need to have like fucking no. six G Wi Fi. And <laughs> oh, that's the old div, man. I like uh, camping. Okay, okay, like we'll it. see about that. Well, so for those of you guys who don't know what Ash, like who he is or what he does, obviously you've been making music for the last, yeah. what, decade? Yeah, pretty More much. More than a decade? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was looking at your YouTube before this, and you posted videos like almost eight, nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, my, my, my music journey started young. It, I, I started mainly as a guitar player, and my dream when I was young was was to to be a 
the famous guitar player. And that kind of started because when we moved from the UK to Australia, um, dude, I got made fun of so much because my accent didn't necessarily fit in. So I used to come home every day and just sit with the guitar. I used to just love playing the guitar and I used to spend every lunchtime at school just playing guitar. Um, and I just fell in love with the instrument, taught myself how to play it. I don't read music or anything. It was, everything was taught by ear. Mm. Um, I used to go home and I used to put a bandana over my eyes and then I used to run scales up and down the oh, neck. Shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was just, I loved like Santana, Jimi Hendrix, all these kind of cats. And my sister who lives in the UK, uh, she used to sing and I used to play the guitar for her. And when she was 18, she moved back to the UK because she, she's an actress. Um, she does a lot of theater as well in the UK. And we used to write songs together and we used to do all this stuff. And she left and I was like, well, fuck, like, oh, shit. I've got no yeah. one to sing these songs that I've with. So I kind of gradually kind of built up the confidence and started singing when mm. I was 18. Um, 18? Yeah. That's not even that long ago. No, I take, wow. I mean, I'm 28 now, so 10 years. Yeah, wow. Um, and then, dude, I just loved it. I just yeah. loved it. And uh, first it was just like a job. Like yeah. I always had a bit of a problem with authority. I hated, like I couldn't hold down <laughs> jobs and shit. Don't I, we all. Dude, I, Don't I, we I all. find it hard to go like do jobs. Cause I was like working as like, I was doing labor work. I was doing all this kind of stuff. University wasn't for me. Did I, you quit? You dropped out of school or did you? No, I finished high school I and I didn't. School. And I, I started, I tried to go to university or college, whatever you guys call it. And um, did I lasted like a month and I was it like, just wasn't I can't. You. Yeah. It's just not for me. Like, so I was like, okay, cool. Well, if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to need to find a way to make money. And um, in my town, or in my city, Brisbane, there was a real budding like live music scene. Not a lot of opportunity for original music, but there was opportunity to make money. So I started singing and basically booking myself around the city. So I was playing like four hours every single night in different venues. Wow. So I was like 18, just stacking some cheese. I got to ask though, because that's interesting, right? Like as someone who also makes music, I... One thing that I'm focused on is getting shows, right? So like at that point, were you just like walking into venues being like, yo, I make music, can I perform? Or like, what was the approach? Yeah, it was a couple of things. So there used to be live jam nights going on, like R&B soul jam nights. And like, bro, let me tell you, like I was underwhelming, man. Like I was a quite a proficient guitar player, but vocally I, I didn't have the chops compared to these guys. I just kind of made this decision. But one thing I've always been blessed with is confidence. Yeah. I just <laughs> didn't give a fuck. I was like, whatever, like Mike, I'll get on it. Even if I was playing five notes, I'll get on it. I'll just do it. I didn't care. And I started building relationships with the older musicians in the city that used to run these jam nights. And then when anyone would say they needed a replacement or what anyone would, I would just put my hand up straight away. Yeah, I'll do it. I remember I was putting my hand up for four hour gigs and I knew like 12 songs. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm gonna have to like make these 12 songs last. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, and then what ended up doing is forcing me to get better. Yeah. Because it's so hard. We all know in our craft, it's like, you know, to as an adult, when you've got responsibilities and bills and all this kind of shit to sit down in a day and dedicate yourself to your craft, just you and yourself, and to get better. That's a tough thing to do. Yeah. So I was like, so much noise, like, dude. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, wow. One thing that I took this shit as is, I was like, the more gigs I can get, I'm like getting paid to practice. Mm. So I bought a loop pedal, and I started fucking around with looping, and I started um, basically putting chords down, experimenting with different things, and then it's like running scales over the thing and practicing my scales and practicing my vocals and practicing this and practicing that. And people liked it. People liked it. I mean, I look back at it now and I'm like, damn, that shit wasn't even very good. But um, I was early on the looping thing. I was had this really comprehensive looping setup that I built um, at the time. Now everyone loops, but back then yeah. no one was looping. So right. I had to work it out myself. There wasn't really the kind of knowledge out there to 
how do you do this? How do you do that? I just mm. was patching shit together and piecing pedals together and trying to work it all out. And then um, one thing led to another and I just, yeah, I just started getting booked. Wow. But that wow. came from playing shit venues, bro. Like I'm talking, bro, I was playing, oh, man, those venues that I would play where I'd be singing and people would be slapping each other in the face and spilling <laughs> beer over my equipment. Oh, and I'm like- Like they're not really paying attention. No one, paid, just bro, no one paid attention. Yeah. No one paid attention. If I went back now, they still won't pay attention. <laughs> they're not there for the music. They're there to get pissed. Yeah, but yeah. I was kind of like, look, I'm getting paid to practice. And um, interesting. That's kind of how we run the pod. Yeah. Well, we don't get paid. To we don't get we don't get paid, but we're practicing every time we do this. Are you crying? I yawned. Oh. I, I thought was my like, story was, was pretty like, good. The story really <laughs> so, <yeah>. God, God. <laughs> It's a hard string. No. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, that's so interesting, though. So, like, I gotta ask too, because you're obviously a really great singer, um, and we'll talk about you know the show that you did and your music career and shit. But like. When you first sang, like that first day when maybe your sister wasn't there and you started, were you good or was it like, I'm kind of shitty, but I need to practice? Like, how is that yeah, natural? Well, this thing was weird. I knew I had, I always knew I had a voice inside me, which is a weird thing to kind of explain to people. Yeah. Um, I, I've always had a keen ear. Like, I taught myself how to play. So I knew if I was singing out of tune. I think a lot of people can't tell if they're singing out of tune. So that is a hard hurdle that I never had to, to try to get over. Um, but one thing was I knew when something sounded good and when something sounded bad. So I was very critical on myself and that pushed me to get better. But, but yeah, I started singing. I was in this like music room in my school and I had the acoustic guitar and I was starting to write songs and the songs were terrible. We were like super corny, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I mean, I never really cared like what people thought. I, I mean, people always received me very well and I think they received well that I was willing to work and willing to learn. Like I walk into every situation, never thinking I'm the best in the room. Like I walk into every situation being like, okay, what can I learn from other artists here? Mm. And there were so many of those musicians that were on the circuit that I would just go and listen to when I'd go out. And I'd, and I'd cause I was like, had a fake ID and I was going into clubs at 15 as a guitar player, just like listening to these old guys play jazz and play blues. Um, but what really kind of made me excel as a vocalist I believe um, was when um, I got booked to go live in Dubai for a while. Oh, wow. Um, so from playing these shitty venues, um, I ended up teeing up and becoming quite good friends with a booking agency in my city. And they got a, offered a contract um, on in the Palm in Dubai. Uh, I'm talking like treated like a king, like yeah, oceanfront apartment. Um, all I want to eat, drink, whatever. All I had to do was play for three hours every single night in the same venue um, and just try to be good. Sure. Um, so when I booked that, and I was paid really well too, when I booked that, I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about packing up and packing down. I left my shit in the same spot every day set up and I just refined my craft. Mm. I refined it. I sat there and I All just- All you had to do was like show up and do your thing. You didn't have to worry about any of Nothing. Other shit. My, yeah. everything was covered out. I, there was all the stresses of life were taken away and I could really deal with just trying to be a good musician. Mm. And I had my own fuck ups over there too, man. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, of course. Put a 21 year old in the middle of Dubai and give him unlimited cash and see what happens. Like, fuck, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, you know, Jeez. it happens. But and where was your family at this time, right? Because I feel like for me, um, I went to USC and I couldn't really get around the college thing even though I wanted to because my dad and my mom wanted me to finish. So like, were your parents supportive of you doing all this shit or was it more like, fuck y'all mom and dad, I'm out? Like, Oh, it's weird, bro. It's kind of like, 
I've been very blessed in terms of my family is musical. So they've under, they understand mm. the pull of music for us. It's, bro, it's so much more deeper than, for me than just playing music. I feel a real spiritual connection to, to music. And I think that comes from my Irish side. Uh, music is so deeply ingrained on the Irish side of my family. My mum plays, my grandfather plays. All, everyone, no one reads music. Everyone is all ear trained. Just, you're naturally good at it. Naturally, like our whole family. Just, you go to Ireland to my family house, everyone plays. We sit there and we jam. That's how it goes. Have um, you looked into how far that goes back? Like, do you know if your grandparents maybe were musicians? Yeah, yeah. My grand, my grandfather played um, the um, piano accordion, taught by ear. Our whole lineage played. So it's music. in your blood. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, so they knew the pool. I, th I don't think when they got me a guitar. Well, it was my dad's guitar that I was using. I don't think they ever thought when they kind of gave me the gift of music that it would be turned into my life. And I think that's always a worry when a parent looks at a child and is like, damn, my kid wants to do this career where if you look from the outset, it's like drug, sex and rock and roll, right? Like no, no yeah. parent wants that for the 18 year old kid, right. especially yeah. when that's all an 18 year old kid wants. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all, you yeah. know, it's what you think yeah. about is like busting a nut and having yeah. a good time. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. um, so they were supportive. I think they were disappointed when I decided to leave uni because bro, like I was, I was, doing like uh, uh, exercise physiology. It was like chemistry and biology and shit and I just hated it. Bro, you were learning, like, learning about like bones and shit in the body? Like shit. It was like everything. It was about like, you know, it was just, I mean, I, I think I had a dream to maybe do that and one day like transition into medicine or something. Like, mm. cause I did all right in school, um, but I was kidding myself, dude. Like this wasn't, it's just, it was, it was me trying to, pull chest moves and be like, oh, I want to do this because I want to be the smartest guy in the room. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think your family, as long as like, as long as you're happy, like truly happy, I think they'll support you no matter what. Like, I feel like any parent that loves their kids, like, and it's it's kind of their fault they put music into you. <laughs> like, Well, I think, it's <laughs> equally, I think it's equally as much as the kid's responsibility to show that they can make a living yeah. out of it. Like for me, I wasn't just like, yo, I want to do music and I was sitting at home smoking weed. I I, I want to, I, I said, I want to do you music. Put, you, you put and then, I'd smoke the weed, then go out and get gigs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would, I, I was, I was booked seven days a week. So I was 18 year old making a couple grand a week from playing, even yeah. if the shitty shows, like I was making more than the average wage for right. someone who was maybe done their degree and is in more of a, uh, another field, you know, like a more shit. niche field. Yeah, like, yeah. So I, I turned it into a business before I even was like, look, I'm going to now f like flee the nest and take this to the next level. It sounds like you made it illogical choice logically if that makes sense totally and, right. and i think i think if, if you want someone to believe in something you've got to act like it's so easy for people to be like i want to do this and i want to do that and then it's like mm -hmm. but the, the actions don't correlate with the words like i'm a big believer in actions i don't believe what no one says to me it's like and i'm you know so i think i proved that to my family and especially when i was getting opportunities here in america in the uk um all over the world really i played in so many countries it was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, this is, he, he can take care of yeah. himself. Like you could really do it. And yeah. you build can, that confidence. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? What's, um, no, you can't. May I? <laughs> What's, uh, where do you see yourself? Like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say two years from now and then five years from now. Mm. It, it's, 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 that's an interesting question because I used to always say, yo, and this time I'm gonna, but I used to put very rigid time frames on where I used to see myself mm -hmm. until COVID. Because in COVID, mm -hmm. I lost everything. Like, yeah. like financially, financially career-wise, opportunity-wise, and I had to leave the country, right? right. So yeah. now, as much as I'd love to say in two years, I see myself um, 
at this next level of my career, whatever. All I want to do in two years is be doing what I'm doing ha in a happier place, yeah, more right. fulfilled, closer with my family, um, my relationships with my friends, with my family, with my loved ones, be more meaningful, and to be have more to have more balance as an artist. You know, I I definitely for a long time at the beginning of what I was doing. Maybe it's immaturity. I definitely prioritized my career over the people in my life. Like it was everything. It was like, yeah. hey, this is what I'm doing. That's Fall in line. Yeah. Fall in I line. Think right? We've had this conversation too. Me yeah. and you. You're just yeah. like, yo, relationship is 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 the most valuable form of currency that we have. More than dude, money, whatever. More than money, more yeah. than anything is relationship. Anything. Yeah. So it's like, dude, it's embarrassing to say, dude, but it's like, yo, I reckon before COVID, if someone offered me, you know, the the ultimatum of to be able to pursue your dreams in exchange for like mine to tell my family i would have taken it now there's no fucking way like after covid i went so i went home i'm on a visa here right so i'm on an o1 visa which is a, a visa the u.s government gives to to musicians and artists if they reach a certain standard in their career so mm -hmm. to speak so you have to you have to justify that through media reports and certain accolades and all this kind of stuff um, so it's very difficult to get, it's very expensive to get. Um, and it takes like, it, my, my submission was like 150 pages. Oh, wow. wow. So what? what happened was, um, when COVID hit, everyone thought it was going to be like a couple months. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. It's a scary time. I want to go home and be with my family. Um, I went home, they closed the borders, they closed immigration. My papers expired. Fuck. So you can, you were stuck. Bro, so I was completely Whoa. stuck. I'm, yeah. and, and as you can imagine, it's like. I've left the country, I've built everything up here. Like we're on the verge of a new deal and we've got all this stuff happening, a brand new album I spent two years making that was supposed to be signed to a label. Everything gets pulled. I'm stuck in Australia in the town that I grew up in with nothing there, fuck all money really, because everything was being banked on creating this music for the payoff at the end. And um, I was forced to not only stay there but i couldn't run away from all the shit i was running from in australia yeah. which was like mm. fractured relationships with my family um knowing that i hadn't diversified what i was doing whatsoever and all my eggs were in one basket mm. which is super easy to like do and then just pretend that nothing can ever go wrong right and like me flexing That's being like I'm good. I got this. I know what I'm doing. I've got yeah. this, this, and this. But the fact is, like, no one knows what's around the corner. Fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah so no. it's like, how? Yeah. So to your question, it's like, how do you predict what two years is going to be when Dude. literally for in two, like your whole thing got stripped from you? Like you couldn't strip, strip, man. Yeah. Like I had to face. Like I reckon I had, and I just gone through a, a bad breakup. So I was like at rock bottom. I was like, shit, I got nothing. Like I'm like, what do I do? Um, and it forced me to really have to, um, you know rebuild those relationships like for example my youngest brother i left when he was like 12. he was a boy i come back and he's, right, a, he's, he's a, a grand got facial he's, he's a he's got a beard he's a, he's a grown man Jesus he's got Christ. a missus he's he's, he's living on it like the fuck i missed out on those years because i was out doing my thing and there was a really profound sense of guilt that i was like damn like what's real it sounds so existential but it's like what's worth it you know what i mean opportunity cost like was maybe not losing but like the fractured relationship like you said worth maybe the five years of well was it i'm curious dude definitely like, not because when no. I, one thing i realized as soon as i dealt with all the personal shit that i was hiding everything flourished 
Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, it was like I was running with like one of those parachute vests on, dude, where you're like sprinting and it's like holding you back because you can try and pretend like it don't matter. Yeah. But in your back yourself, in your back of your mind, like all that shit weighs heavy on you, especially if you're like an empath or you, you know, are a sensitive person, which I am. Uh, and I was just digging my head in the sand. And as soon as I fixed those things, I addressed the things I needed to, I let go of certain things. And, you know, I started looking at life through a different lens as opposed to, oh, well, if I lost everything, it's fucked up, like, fuck this, it's everyone else's fault. Me going, dude, like, I take complete accountability for every bad decision I made. I make complete accountability for everything I fucked up, every opportunity I lost. If I actually break down the chain, it all lies with me. Yeah. Sheesh. I know I had True one of those that. revelations re like recently. I think Davidge had been through it too with me. It's like, you really just got to look at your own life and like really take extreme accountability and be like, yo, anything that went wrong is like, is, is you can blame everyone else or you can look at yourself and be like, yo, this is, you, you know, you got to fix yourself first, you know? So yeah. 100, I remember there was this crazy situation. Like when I had my first little bit of a boost in Los Angeles, which was 2018, I, mm -hmm. I kind of had a bit of a management fallout and it kind of pinned me into a contract. I couldn't move. And for so long, I blamed all the things that were coming my way that I couldn't capitalize on because of being stuck in this contract. Yeah. And it took me having to look at myself in the mirror and say, I've signed that fucking thing. Mm. Yeah. Bro, the chain reaction started with me. Nobody signed it. For no you. one signed it for me. Yeah. Like I was the one who didn't peruse that shit properly or like got myself locked in. It's like mm. no one, and, and so many people, I think especially in this city, everyone's got a soft story about why they haven't made it. Dude, like sometimes you're just gonna be like, okay, cool, maybe it's because of me. And even to the things that you don't think are because of you, they're always because of you. Cause you put yourself, yeah. I, go, I go out at the end of the day, I go crash my car. Yeah, someone crashed into me. I was in the fucking car too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I had to, I had to take that stance on a lot of things. And that was very like freeing for me, dude. Yeah. It's super freeing for me. That's yeah. amazing. I think the one thing that I've realized is like having perspective, right? Like you just said, a lot of people have a sob story about being here and not making it where it's like the other side of the coin is you're in LA you have the life that you have here, right? Like we're so blessed to even be sitting in these fucking chairs right now, Dude, which is crazy. So much. So man. it's like, we've already made it. The fact that we're able to play this game called music or life or work or whatever is like, it should be a pleasure for us. Like, you know, so, but it's hard to remind yourself. grind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. I feel like it's hard to remind yourself that like yeah. day to day, but you know, the, hey, it's like, that's what it is. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, I, I, I realized a long time ago that I take a lot more pleasure in the grind and the journey than the destination yeah. because I'm very bad at being present. That's what people tell, yeah. Dude, and, and when I get to that destination, it's never, it's never what you think it is. And someone like extremely successful in this industry said that to me. Mm. They said, dude, when you get to where you want to go, just understand one, it's not going to make you happy. And two, it's not going to be what you think it is. So, so sort out that shit before you get there because or else you're, you're going to be disappointed. Bro. So find your happiness now. Find pleasure in what you're doing because there's no like magic switch when you hit a certain milestone or you get a certain accolade that actually fixes that. There's no happiness switch that just like clicks on once you Dude. hit X. Yeah. And because we don't realize so as true. well, I think people find see success as like a black and white thing. Life's a gradient. Like we're already halfway to our success. It's not we're gonna get there and it's gonna be this euphoric like boof of like success. <laughs> yeah. It's like you might get an extra two percent because by the time you get to that point where you tip the scales, you're already ninety eight percent there. So if you're looking for this like sense of joy and all this kind of stuff, it's like I don't think it that comes. You've got to be happy with the way up. Yep. 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 
That's Real deep, talk, bro. brother. Looking I deep. Eat, yeah. That was deep, bro. Do you have some water, yeah. by the way? Can I sip on We need some. You got any water back there, brother? Ain't no Ooh. water, dude. We're the thirst. Engineers, I think he's. I think we might have to sip out of that plant. <laughs> big grill no, stuff. We, we don't. We don't. Get <laughs> big grill. Oh, there's. Stuff. I see wine bottles. You want to grab one of those? No, nah, actually, no thanks. Yeah. You gotta drink your spit, bro. Oh man. Nah. I have to get survival style. Yeah. I'm gonna get on DoorDash while we're while we're doing oh, the podcast. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. So, yo, I want to kind of move back a little for because you know people, a lot of people probably do know who you are, where you've what you've accomplished, what you've done. But I want to talk about the four because I feel like that is obviously a big piece of your career, at least maybe for the public knowing mm, who you are. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get on the four? What is it like? How was that journey for you? Dude, the four, the journey of the four is interesting, man. I mean, like for me, um, hold on. For someone, I don't know what the four is. Okay, cool. So can the, we, can we start, the four yeah. is um, back in 2018. It was a show um, produced by Diddy. Oh, and it was effectively a challenge show where they have four artists, which they believe are like upcoming artists in the scene that are like, it wasn't really catered to people who were just kind of starting. It was like, okay, these are four artists that are like kind of on their grind. They're like well on their way. Mm -hmm. And then basically artists come in. If they get the S from the judges, they get to pick which one of the four to challenge. And it's kind of like a process of elimination, like a revolving door. Mm -hmm. um, so I myself had never heard of it either. It was, it was something that I believe was, a concept that was being it was already active in europe i think i think in germany i think they'd done something with it and then um, diddy brought it here um and yeah dude, i mean i ended up on that show somehow i mean like I, when, it, when it happened i like i i just moved to la like i'm talking literally i think i was here for like three weeks wow. but all i knew how so slightly before that i moved to la with like no money. Like I moved to LA with like, I think two and a half grand in my pocket, Australian, which is like 1500 US. And I'd like paid my rent down like six months because I couldn't get a lease because I didn't have a credit history or anything. Yeah, I had no fucking money. I was like, I just got to work this shit out. And I used that money. I was like, okay, I got like 1500 bucks to, I'm using this like a sand timer. It's like a metaphoric sand timer. I've got this long mm. to work something out or else I'm fucked. Like, <laughs> so this was like my ghost. What I started doing was, all I know how to do is sing and play. So um, I'd done a couple of trips out to LA previously. So I knew there was a couple of hotspot venues where people used to play music. So I just used to roll up with my guitar and I just used to be like, can I sing or can I play or can I do this? Can I do that? Got some no's, got some yeses. Uh, one night in particular, I went to this, to this venue. It's closed down now. It's, I think it's called the Zen Lounge. It was in Studio City. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It was a Perfect. cool house venue. Yeah. It used to be really dope. Um, a lot of really cool industry cats and stuff were in there. And I rolled up with my guitar and I was I was with a friend and she was asking them if I could sing. She was like a bit of a manager or something. And they were like, kind of like saying no. Then they were trying to bill me like to play. Like they were like, they wanted to be like, okay, cool, we'll pay us and you can play. So I'm like, fuck it. All right. So I went to the ATM and got out 30 bucks and I was like, all right, can I play? <laughs> They let me on stage. Wow, for 30 bucks? Yeah, they let me Jeez. on stage. They said, you can do one song. They put me on last, so you can do one song. So I did the song and um, some of Diddy's representatives were in the crowd oh, wow. and they come up to me afterwards and, um, and said, Hey, like we're doing this show before, are you interested in doing it? And I kind of spoke to them, but I was kind of like, not really. Um, I worked really, really hard to get to America. 
I sacrificed a lot. I mean, I'd left my contract in Dubai and like all this lush lifestyle that I had to come out to the street and grind here. Um, so I wasn't really too into the whole idea of um, being locked into a box and being told what to do. And my first imprint on the industry in America being dictated to by a whole heap of people who don't even know who I am, which is so easy to happen on TV. Someone can be like, they can paint you whichever way they want to paint you. They can make you look however you want to look. And that's a real yeah. big risk you run. So I was yeah. kind of like, not really. I'm not really down. Um, they came back a couple of times and asked me again. I kept declining it. Um, and then they were like, look, can you just submit? And I was like, okay, whatever. And then uh, <laughs> and they were like, can they call me again? And we're like, yo, can you come in person and see us? And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Halfway through that process, I was like, I called them and said, hey, I crashed my car. I can't get there. I was just talking complete was shit. Was that bullshit? <laughs> oh, you were kidding. Yeah, I, was just, I just didn't want to do it, bro. Did you just... know what it was? Though? Like, did you know this was uh, Yeah, I knew, I knew it was a TV show, bro. And I know what TV shows are like. And that's yeah. no shade because like mad love to all the producers, the mad executive producer. Well, we'll get into that in a second. But mm -hmm. um, basically what ended up happening is I had some people kind of representing me at the time. And they basically got the contract and said, look, we're crossing off this, 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 and this. He doesn't want to be locked in this contract. You're either going to come back and let him be who he wants to be and do what he wants to do, where he can basically walk in any time or else he's not going on the show. So I was kind of like, damn, this is wild. Like, This is your lawyer probably at the time. No, this was like, like an acting manager, an acting manager okay. that was kind of just, we were kind of just working with a little bit. So I was kind of like, fuck, if they, if they come back and... Um, sign this then you have to go this is wild as fuck like i'm i got no problem going because that means i'm completely uh, free yeah, so, yeah but i didn't think they were ever going to sign it they went quiet for like three weeks then they called us back being like yeah cool what else do you want wow. and then they all said okay we wanted to be part of the first four so we kind of just dictated all our terms went on there and um i wasn't really contractually obligated to anything I, I kind of was in a situation where i could do my thing um and um it was great. It was great because I wasn't going into it with any apprehension. And, and I built a really great relationship with the executive producer, um, guy called David Freeman. He was fucking cool as he showed me a lot of respect. Um, the musicians, they had iconic music producers and musicians and people involved in that show. Like it was amazing. Like the A&Rs, everyone that came through because of Diddy has such a profound pull. Yeah, man. Like it was crazy. Like I met some incredible people and it really set me up for what I was doing. Didn't win. Um, got close though. Got close, got yeah. close. Um, a couple of good performances that really stuck online. Um, and yeah, opened a hell of a lot of doors for me. Um, and I think, you know, I, even though I didn't end up working out with that management, I, you know, I was blessed that they kind of went there and we said, look, he's going to do his own thing because it meant that I could come off the road and play shows straight away. It meant that I could do what I needed to do and wasn't in fear of being like, okay, well, you got to sing this or else you're fucked. Well I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not contractually bound. I can sing what I want. And there was actually an occasion where they yeah. were trying to push me into a sure? box to sing really R&B stuff. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, to a non-musician, R&B and soul are the same, but to the musician, they're very different. Right. So I, I managed to defend my corner and sing the song I want to do, which was Adorn and Bama Girl. Oh, really? Which, which really yeah. um, set up so much for me. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah. So that, I mean, that was the story of the four, and that led on to a whole heap of wild shit that happened in the years to come, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, it sounds like, because I've been on a, a TV show too, right? And I think I had this crazy expectation for FY Island where I was like, I'm going to come off this show. I'm going to be a fucking star. I'm going to be popping <laughs> bottles, fucking bitches. Like, it happened for maybe a week and then, you know, it starts to trickle down. Mm -hmm. So especially because the show really wasn't that that successful. But with your show, like, did you feel when you came off a certain level of like stardom or, 
you know, that you're like, yo, I'm somebody now. Like, did you have that? Yeah, it was weird, right? Because <laughs> bro, I gained like 150,000 followers overnight. Is that how you got verified? Yeah, did I got, got verified you, everything got overnight okay, because my sense. shit kind of like blew online. A whole heap of blogs picked it up. YouTube went crazy. Sense, yeah. Shit kind of went wild. Um, but for me, like, I think when I was younger, it was like, yo, I want fame. I want women. I want this. I want that. It wasn't like that at all for me. I wanted respect. I, I wanted I wanted people to be like this guy's a badass player. He's a mm. badass vocalist because that's what I worked towards for ages. Like yeah. I was getting chicks when I couldn't sing, so that wasn't really it. <laughs> you know, you know, not in a conceited way. But I mean, like yeah. we, everyone get you know when you're young, that's all you care about. Everyone's getting chicks, like whatever. Yeah. Like, that's not a fucking flex. Like Thanks. you know what I mean? And so it was like I wanted respect from like players. I wanted respect yeah. from people that doubted me. I wanted people to fucking see me back in Australia who wouldn't put me on stage and be like. I yeah, fucked up. I fucked yeah. up, and they did, and they yeah. did fuck up. They did, they they did doubt me, and they, and 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 that was what was cool. Like, I was like I said, I was playing these venues, and it was more like the biggest change was not like, can I play for thirty bucks? It was like, put down the red carpet, let this motherfucker walk right through, mm. and people in the crowd being like, yo, I fuck with you. The musicians be like, I fuck with you. Bigger players being like, yo, come do this, come play here, come play at Lenny Kravitz house, come do this. Well, like, you know, like all these, yeah. like yeah. getting the respect I felt like I wanted from the community that I, I also respect. Like I, yeah. I couldn't give a fuck about the superficial music industry where it's based around like no one writes their own music and it's like a whole heap of people who are just a brand. I wanted to be respected from people who make this shit move underneath. For every crazy artist, there's an incredible band. Yeah. that has to rehearse and slave out and learn the cues and learn this, who, who doesn't have auto-tune on the guitar. You know what I mean? Who has to mm -hmm. learn this shit, who has to be tight. Yeah. Those are the people I wanted to get respect from. Sure, and that's yeah. always been my, my thing. Like I, re I read a quote one time and it said, when your desire to be dope is more than your desire to be famous, that's when you change. And I read that when, like when I was maybe 22 and it changed my whole um, mm. motive as an artist. That's yeah. a clipping. That's a great. Yeah, that's a great. That's, 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 clip that's, that that's gonna be clipped right there. I'm just throwing that out there. Dude, I read that. And I remind. I, I remind. I remind myself of that all the time. Yeah. Because we all fall into those patterns, being like, "Yo, but like, it'd be dope to have this. It'd be dope to have, be more successful." Um, so you know, I, I mean, do his parts. Like, I, I definitely think I could have moved differently when I come off that show. Like, I think um, I wasn't wise in terms of. I mean, I was young, man. I was like 22. So like, yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was fresh in LA, didn't understand the whole shark atmosphere that is out here. Yeah. Um, everyone wanted a piece. And it was kind of like, everyone was pulling me in so many different directions. I stayed in the same place. I was like one of those stretchy men, mm. you know, with the different arms <laughs> and the body stays in the same place, yeah. but the arms are all out here. That's yeah. what it was like. I had one guy pulling me towards R&B, one guy pulling me towards pop, one guy pulling me towards rock. And I just realized when the dust settled and those motherfuckers didn't care no more, it was like, ding. And I was just like, same mm, spot. Still you, yeah. I was in the same Sheesh. spot. So um, I wish I had a bit more conviction in what I was doing at the time mm. um, because that conviction I had walking into the show that got me contractually free and all that stuff. If I'd held that afterwards, I think um, a couple of things might've been a bit different. Um, but man, hey, we all learn. Yeah, you we all of learn, bro. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's so interesting. So then when uh, when you came off and you were, you were going through that, like, did you get opportunities to like, do the label deal like were there opportunities that you feel like you there was taken or? i mean it was weird i mean we it was weird man i mean we got a lot of opportunity i mean the biggest opportunities that came is i was selling our shows yeah. so like i sold out peppermint club i sold out hotel cafe i sold out rockwood in new york um i sold our show in texas um 
we had some like really awesome um, opportunities that I believe were like a great platform for me to take the next step in my career. And um, I think there was a couple of times where I kind of relied maybe a bit too much on my representation to be like, cause they would be like, oh, okay, I'll bring this person, this person, this person. Um, and although people can't like, there, there wasn't the greatest, I think, uh, display. I, I've always sh like shown myself as a live artist. And the time where I feel like I can get people to believe in what I do is in the live arena. That's mm. my point of difference. That's my USP. Um, yeah. And uh, I feel like we didn't get as much opportunity as we could have because I don't feel like we got enough people out to the shows because mm. they were sold out from a, a, like a patron standpoint. But from industry standpoint, um, I always remember being like, damn, I wish there was some labels in the crowd here. And there was a couple, and there was a couple of conversations. I sat with a few of the majors and stuff, um, but nothing really that was that solid mm. until I kind of started doing my own thing and getting a bit more conviction from my own music and putting that out, all this. Yeah. How do you, what's your viewpoint on the industry now? And like, do you feel like the, let's say the rust approach where you drop, you know, a single a week for three years until you pop, like, is that the route? for an up and coming artist or is it all right TV show or is it label deal? Like, I, th I think it depends on the genre really. I think we were having this conversation the other night, right? When we were talking about your stuff, I think with hip hop, I think that there is a lot more opportunity to drop volume. Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of the time hip hop's about a feeling. And if you can constantly make someone feel a certain way, um, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of impact in that. And I feel like True. the environment musically for hip hop, um, where it's predominantly kind of like beat making and there's opportunity to lease beats and this and that, and you can really churn out things fast. I think that's the route. I think with um, more of like the organic approach, like soul and stuff like that, it's a bit harder because you're trying to really arrange music. You're trying to get like six musicians to play this or you're trying to compose. It's a lot more parts to it. You can't mm. necessarily loop it. Whereas a lot of hip hop tracks, I feel like, you know, the beat is, it's, it's more looped. Yeah. And, and, and that's yeah. not me shitting on the genre whatsoever because I love hip hop and some of my favorite, like I love Andre 3000. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, very musical, you know? Um, but I feel like, I feel like, yeah, it depends on the genre. Um, it's a great answer. That makes a lot of sense. Because have you heard that one Uzi song where he goes, go, 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 go. And like the whole song is just go. Like that's the only sound he makes. And it's like, he's one of the greatest rappers I'd argue, right? And it's like, that's what he's doing. It's like, it's just great he's, beats. There, there's like commercial success and then there's real yeah. like musicians, people that like, right. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, I think there's different things. Yeah. And he I can I, sell records. And you know, like I said, we, we all trying to make money too. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in crossing over and having the commercial stuff like john may is a perfect example like mm, he had yeah, his real deep cut musical stuff as a beast guitar player and then he had his you know more commercial hits like daughters and waiting on the world to change and these great records so i believe that there's there's need for both and i think the current but this is the thing i think the industry is changing so much i feel like i think there's something else we talked about the other day i feel like people indulge in genres as opposed to artists now we're living in a people don't really listen to albums as much it's like singles and it's not even singles, it's playlists. So it's like you find a playlist which caters to your taste and then you just run it. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. like, now it's this weird time where it's like, I'm a fan of soul. I'm a fan of alternative R&B as opposed to being back in the days. I'm, I'm a fan of X, Y, and Z artists. I'm a fan of the X, Y, and Z album. And I think that also shifts the way in which we release music now too. Mm. You know? Can I ask you a question about mar music marketing nowadays? Mm. 
How do you feel about the whole TikTok wave? And people, because I, I, I've seen so many artists now come up off the TikToks. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, Look Lover, you know that Look Lover, Coil you Ray, know, you know, he's all TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came up. How do you feel about that? Are you is that is that an avenue like you might try like to explore, or is that like something? Yeah, that... I think in the right sense. I mean, for me, I've had a few discussions with people about how I'd market myself on TikTok. I mean, I don't have a presence on TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if I was touring and if I was playing regularly again, mm -hmm. I definitely would because for me, um, whatever I put out has to be a true reflection of who I am. Yeah, mm. and I feel like if I could cut short, like for example, we're playing on Friday, the Peppermint. And can we I'm, plug that in real quick? Yeah, we'll play it Friday at the Pepsi Club. <laughs> yeah, pull up. Club. Um, all pull up. Yeah, yeah pull up. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, um, when I'm playing the gig on Friday, I'm bringing a videographer and we'll end up making a lot of reels and stuff out of that. I'm more than happy to distribute that content on, on platforms that I feel yeah. fit. Um, in terms of changing necessarily who I am or whatever it is to kind of cater for it, maybe it's short sighted. I don't know because. I mean, I know some artists personally who've had incredible come ups on TikTok. I know artists who've had incredible come ups off TikTok. I don't, I think it's it's case by case. It is case by case, and, and yeah, I definitely think sure, TikTok is currency. I, yeah, I, yeah, I believe it's currency. I think followers in general. I mean, it was it was Instagram. I mean, Instagram was the currency as well. But yeah. then again, I can also be testament to the fact that I had a pop in Instagram when Instagram was the shit, yeah. and that didn't necessarily translate translate like yeah it, it it was good for certain things like brand deals i made money from it for right. sure i made guap which sustained me and got me a lot of cool free shit and cool opportunities but did it was it the thing that turned around i mean like at one point i was getting like half a million profile views a week wow. like which is not much compared to like some of the bigger guys but for an independent artist with no record deal with shit moving and touring at the time that was more than enough for someone to be like, we can sign you off that. Didn't happen. Oh, yeah. So mm. that's the other side of the coin I see too. So I think it's it's all, you got to do what you enjoy, right? Yeah. I got I to gotta ask you, I want to transition a little bit into your, <clears throat> like your process got, as a musician. Huh? You got 10. Yes, yeah, sir. Because uh, I've noticed, you know, you don't, you don't drink, you don't smoke. Um, like you don't really do anything that, you know, I think a lot of artists, including myself, like, kind of lean on in the studio especially when you need to kind of be in that creative free non-judgmental space like so if if it's not weed or drink or whatever like where do you pull your inspiration from and why don't you maybe do those things in the studio um okay so um being sober right um yeah when i was younger i used to get around and, and party and have a good time i did a whole heap of wild shit i put that stuff down when i when i um was in dubai actually because um I don't know, man. I, I just feel like I didn't bring out the best in who I was. Um, you know, I think we all have tendencies. One thing that I think that one of my biggest uh, strengths and weaknesses is I have addictive personality. That addictive personality has got me to the heights in, of success that many may not feel because I was addicted to that process. I was addicted to my fitness journey. I was addicted to all this stuff to make myself be A1. But that addiction also would transcend over to bad stuff too, like women and alcohol or drugs or whatever yeah. so it was never like one drink it was like okay let's just fucking party let's go and yeah. i realized that Sheesh. that just wasn't helping me it just wasn't doing anything i wake up feeling like shit spend a whole heap of money make bad decisions had a couple of really um brushes with the law when i was younger and i know that i wouldn't have been in those situations if i wasn't intoxicated so i kind of realized like first thing i love waking up early i love being healthy um so that really influences that i also love being clear-minded 
I mean, I like being able to make decisions and have conversations with people I'm going to remember. Yeah. And in my opinion, if I don't have the balls to say something when I'm sober, I shouldn't be saying it when I'm drunk. Um, so yeah. that's, for me, the whole Dutch courage thing. I kind of get why people do it. It's not my vibe. And But each to their own, I don't judge people who do. Yeah. Inspiration-wise, I put my inspiration from life. I'm, I, I, feel, I feel things very deeply. Um, I always have been a very deep person. Um, and that's more than enough inspiration for me to write. Because even when I used to get charged up and shit when I was younger, I never would bring in the studio. Like, I'd never smoke in the studio. I used to smoke weed a lot, and I never yeah. used to do it in the studio. Because yeah, yeah. it just wasn't... Create, it wasn't conducive to my creativity. I, I like lyricism. I like uh, metaphors. I like cool transitions and chords and musical intellect. And, and it's kind of like, you know, if someone was in a science lab and they were trying to discover the cure for cancer, they wouldn't be like a bottle of Henny deep and smoke two blunts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, that, 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 yeah. the, the, people get it convoluted. I think people see like the music game and because it's like fun. Yeah. It's like, it's like an excuse. It's to, an excuse. To turn like, up. Yo, this yeah. is still work for me. This is yeah. my job. Like I want to turn this into a mm. business, into a career, and take it to that next level. And I've, to a degree, I have been successful in it so far, but nowhere near where I want to be. And that takes discipline. Mm -hmm. And that's you know comes with making choices yeah. and sacrifice. One thing that he's he said to me this weekend because we were recording up at Big Bear, and I was like, you know, I started turning up or whatever, and I love to drink. It's fun, but he was like, "Would you bring a bottle of alcohol to your office?" Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that shit yeah. really stuck. And last night I went to the studio and I, I didn't have, you know, I had a glass of wine at the I show. I respect that. Yeah, bro. Sure. I didn't get anything done, but still it was. But bro, like, I mean, know, and, and this is the thing, like, I don't judge either way. I mean, for me, I know a lot of people who feel like they have to tap into that. And, but one thing that I've always tried to treat, treat it as is if this is my career, I want to be bring the, my, put my best foot forward and and like you can't always when people rely on th certain shit to make them creative mm. it's like dog let's let's say you're doing a, a show crutch. in saudi yeah. you can't get a blunt what are you gonna do you're just gonna fuck <laughs> up the show you know what i'm saying it's like you know, you know what i'm saying like I'm, you're gonna pull a steve-o and um, the boy the boy's in riyadh and he's trying to get himself a score <laughs> like shit like you know i mean this is what i'm saying it's like I, i'd rather be able to bring my put my best foot forward at all times and know yeah. that i can mm. bring my best self at all times and that was my main motivation as well um i don't know i just wanted to make better decisions and feel feel better yeah shit like that. It, it clouds your decision dude i flew too Absolutely. close to the sun one too many times so yeah I think we all have. Oh my god, yeah. Like two days. I think days we ago. have to wrap it up, but can we like can we like wrap it with like one piece? Everyone can go through one piece of like positive advice, just end it on a good note. I like that. Ash, you can go first. Ash, you, you can just go first. Well, no, I want to do this. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask Christian. Mm -hmm. If you were to see your five year old self, or Ash wasn't here, it was your five not twelve year old self. Twelve year old self, okay. What are you telling your twelve year old self? What advice? Um 12-year-old stuff. Okay, I have a good one. Make sure you tie your shoes when you're riding a bike that has pedal brakes so you don't crash. Because That's deep, man. Because when I was 12, <laughs> I rode down a big hill, my shoelace were untied, and I had pedal brakes, couldn't stop. Slammed in the back of a truck. Life's never been the same, huh? Life's never been the same. <laughs> a little bit dumber now. <laughs> Next. It's okay. It's not what I was expecting. Good advice, uh, too. That's great advice. Thanks, Thank guys. You. I tried. Um, Davidge. Yeah. Um, if you could do, if you could, uh, uh, if you could 
Mm. Drink another. Fuck. It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I need to think about how I'm gonna answer that one. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> okay. 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 If you could get another tattoo. Yeah. What is it? What would What would it be? I'll be honest. You kind of inspired me. I really want like a just like a really silly tattoo. Maybe like a pineapple or like a something that's just like reminds me to like just be just makes you, know, you laugh. Yeah. It's just like you I look, look at, at it. And it's and like all right. Yeah. It's cool. Maybe a pineapple. Or like right. a sweet potato or something. Ash, <laughs> positive note, what, what you got for us? A positive note. Um, contextualize that for me. Like, positive in what kind of sense? Just, like, what, what well, just something that we can all, just something that's going to make you happy, make us happy, make life better. I got What's some. Them? I got okay. a question. Okay. Uh, do you, what would your, what would you say your word of the week would be? Like, my, my word of the week right now is relationships. So, like, everything I do is centered around the people in my life. So, for you, this week, when you woke up Monday morning, like, what was that, like, thing that, what was your intention? I guess it's a better way to frame it. Ooh. That's a really good. One. It's really funny. At mom's house in Australia, she's got a, 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 a heap of cards and she pulls them out every single day and there's a different word on it. Um, this week would be priority, I'd say. Mm. That's um, cool, yeah. I've got a show at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, it's easy to to lose focus on that. But the fact is, which has proven to me in my life before, every show can be a door which Absolutely. can be an incredible yeah, opportunity. So to find the priorities in that. And if anyone out there, get your priorities straight and do the right thing. Sheesh. All right, Ash. True that. Can you, uh, can you plug in your socials real quick? Yes, sir. So uh, you can follow me at Ash, at Ash Minor Music. Um, post all my stuff on there, all my, all my music. We've got a, a new EP dropping soon with um, some music that I feel is my best yet, my, true, my most true music yet. I think we're really just getting started on the creative sense. So hopefully you guys can tune in and uh, yeah, stay tuned for the journey. Friday, Peppermint Club, pull up. Pull up, Peppermint Club. Uh, is there a guest list? Uh, for you guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lit. Yeah, yeah. We active. I'm going to be throwing I'm gonna be throwing ones in the crowd. <laughs> there's, there's, um, some other, there's some other great artists performing as well. So show love, show support. Uh, it's yeah. the artists that are on the comp that make this shit tick. So. Yeah, thank you so much for coming, bro. Thanks all for having me, from, my man. All the way from Australia. Shit. Well, no, he lives in uh, LA Los now. Angeles. Yeah. So. Just <laughs> but no. no, thank you guys so much for tuning in, man. Episode 60 is in the books. We got Christian co host. Follow the homie. Follow Ash. Uh, stay tuned. We got. Actually, I didn't even tell you who our guest is next week. I'm going to tell you after this. All right. Bye, guys.